Welcome to the LifePurpose.com podcast. The number one podcast in the entire cosmos for empowering and inspiring you to live your life's purpose. My name is Hema Allman. And I'm Gabriel Sarah. And today's episode is about how self-pity kills your life purpose. As I've been putting into practice some of the wisdom I've received from Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I've been now doing this ice plunging or this cold plunging practice pretty much every day. And if I haven't gone to the lake to do the cold plunge, I've been going to take a cold bath and just submersing myself in water for a few minutes. And I've been noticing the mind feeling sorry and making excuses to avoid the discomfort and finding reasons to resist doing what ultimately feels life-giving for me. And just before we started recording, it came to me a profound reason why you in particular, of all places, you chose to live here in your deceased aunt's home when you had your own apartment in the mountains. No, it's not in the mountains. It's surrounded by mountains. Well, that doesn't count for me. Well, regardless, you had, so you had your own apartment and you came here to live in this apartment because it supposedly had more space. Today we took Cambo and I received this really interesting insight after shortly after the Campbell ceremony as to you and you having, you're not feeling so good yesterday, you crying and you feeling sorry for yourself, basically. Let's just call this what it is. And there's a link here. So your aunt killed herself. She starved herself to death. She was living her life without purpose. I was editing one of the podcast episodes last week and we talked about your aunt. And we talked about how your aunt killed herself because she was so consumed and wrapped up in her head. And you are now living here. You are now sleeping in her very bedroom. And if you want to apply the ideas from metaphysics and spirituality and quite even quantum physics, you're basically in the field, in the memory of your aunt absorbing in that energy oh my gosh and are you okay yeah um i don't know that just like triggered something um what you just said so i have to finish what i'm saying and the point that i'm making here so your aunt if we are taking up that idea that your aunt in her mind felt worthless if your aunt in her mind felt not good enough if your aunt in her mind was living her life based on other people's expectations and what the outer world or what mainstream society expected of her. At some point, she would quit working and contributing to mainstream society as mainstream society says you're making a contribution by having a job and paying bills, etc. And if she would fall into a depression where she would start basically feeling sorry for herself, you are here. Uh, what came to me is you are here because your soul has chosen 
to gain this valuable insight about self-pity and feeling sorry for yourself so that you can transcend this topic and now provide that to big ones who are feeling sorry for themselves, who are indulging in self-pity so that they can fulfill their life purpose. Because we just said before we started recording, the topic of today's episode is feeling sorry for yourself and how that ultimately is going to stop you from living your life purpose. And if you think about it, it makes absolute sense. When you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're consumed with yourself. You're not consumed with making a contribution. We've already decided that our definition or our terminology for someone living their life purpose is someone doing the thing that God put them here to do and they're in service. They're making their contribution. When you're making your contribution and you're focused on doing something for someone else, you cannot at the same time be feeling sorry for yourself. Who said that? Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins said you cannot be angry and happy at the same time. Because you cannot focus on two things at once. It's only one thing that you can truly focus on. So what are you mentally focused on? And with the Can't Hurt Me book from David Goggins, this is a bit of what I took from that book and what he wrote in that book. He emphasized that he shared a lot of his life. He shared a lot of the most embarrassing moments in his life. He got really vulnerable and really raw in his book. And I've been studying some of his podcasts and the progression of how he has spoken from the first time he went on Joe Rogan on his podcast and spoke to just the last year, five years later, where he was on, I think the guy's name is Chris Williamson. He was on his podcast. And the difference between the way he spoke five years ago and now is night and day. And he has chronicled in his book, Can't Hurt Me. Now he has a part two called Never Finished. In his first book, he's talking about how he was overweight by 100 pounds. If he wanted to make it to the Navy SEALs, he had to lose that 100 pounds in less than three months, which is very, very difficult to do. He talked about when he did his first qualifying race to compete for an Ultraman marathon, he had to run 100 miles and 24 hours around the loop track and how he wound up breaking and fracturing the bones in his lower body, having basically borderline kidney failure, had poor nutrition. He had he kept saying he had myoplex and Ritz crackers with him to hydrate and nourish himself, which is a horrible idea. And he defecated all over his lawn, his the, that chair that he brought with him to the race but yet he still was able to finish that race. He mentioned having a breakdown moment at mile 70 where he thought it was physically not possible for him to continue on any longer. But then somehow in his mind, he negotiated in his mind successfully. If I just get up and I start moving, I can finish these next 30 miles. I don't want to. Everything in my body, my mind is telling me you're done. Goggins, it's, it, this is it. You're done. You need to go to the hospital. But in his mind, he said there was a voice at the same time that said, hey, if you just get up off this lawn chair and start moving, just take one step and then just take another step. And so he did. And he would chronicle that that was 
the hardest experience he has ever had in his life. This weekend on Friday, we just watched the film G.I. Jane starring Demi Moore. It's an old 90s film. And there's a part where she was she was going through Navy SEAL training and the master chief or the chief recited a quote and the quote went something like this. I've never, I've never saw a wild thing feel sorry for itself. A bird will drop dead from the bow frozen before it ever has felt sorry for itself or something like this. And then at the end of the movie, that chief or that master chief gave her a book with the purple ribbon and she opens it up and then she sees that section, that quote that he had just given her or he had recited to her and the rest of the uh, sealed candidates or month candidates weeks prior. And it was about self-pity. That was the origin of the poem that he recited. A wild thing doesn't feel sorry for itself. The human of today is domesticated. I wouldn't say that humans are wild. We're pretty much domesticated. And I believe that we have lost a lot of that prehistoric strength, if you will. The, the strength and the grit to not feel sorry for yourself. The strength and the grit and the mental fortitude to be much tougher than the environment or to be adaptable to the environment and to be able to handle a level of stress. And going through this book right now, it's called What Does It Kill Us by Scott Carney, I think it is his name. And in this book, he's talking about his first encounter with the Iceman, Wim Hof, and how he was able to do things within a week that he thought was impossible. And they trekked up Mount Kilimanjaro wearing nothing but basically like like shorts. No no thick coats, no high-tech gear. Whereas other climbers were suited up with all the gloves and all the everything. These guys were trekking up Mount Kilimanjaro shirtless. No jacket, nothing. How did they do that? Getting back to the point of what I'm saying here, because it's all connected. Self-pity from what I'm seeing, what I'm observing, it's in the mind. It's only a story in our heads that we have conjured up. It's a belief about ourselves. It's playing in our box and keeping ourselves in our box. And part of stepping into your life purpose, part of becoming a big one, is breaking out of that mental limitation that you have set for yourself. You have to break out of that mental limitation. How do you do that? You have to do things that are uncomfortable. It's very simple. So David, this is why I'm bringing up David Goggins' book and his journey. So David Goggins, Wim Hof, and even Andrew Huberman, Dr. Andrew Huberman, they've all been speaking about this in their own way. But David Goggins is a very like straight to the point, extreme approach, which is there's like no metaphors here. It's like very raw. It's like, this is what I did to break my mind. David Goggins had to create a new identity. So if there was, if there was David Goggins, the fat, lazy, didn't want to do anything with his life, he had to create an alter ego. And that's what he did. He created Goggins. Within three months. Within three months. And what Goggins represented 
was a human being that did the things regardless, that did the tasks regardless, that did not tie the way he felt into the act of the task, of the duty at hand. So when David Goggins was first told by a Navy recruiter, hey, if you want to get into the SEAL program, you got to lose 100 pounds in three months. He tried to do a quarter mile run. He was gassed out of air. He went to his mom's house. He was crying. He was like, oh my God, I'm going to be a loser. I can't do this. He was feeling sorry for himself. He was feeling pity for himself. But then he had to tell himself in his mind, he had to talk himself in his mind, okay, if you want to really be this SEAL thing, move your ass. Mm. He would recall, uh, David Goggins would talk about in his book, write about in his book, that there would be days where he would be so sore from training that it would be like four o'clock in the morning or five, whatever the time was before the sun was up. And he had a choice, either go back to bed and sleep or put on his running shoes and move. We always have a choice. Right? And he had a choice. And sometimes David Goggins, he, he wrote down in his book that there was a moment where, or there was a day where he looked at his running sneakers for 30 minutes and he was just talking to himself. He was just like talking to himself. Okay, motherfucker, you, you have to do this. You've got to get this shit done now. And David Goggins, he's very expressive. He curses a lot because that's how he expresses himself. That's how he expresses how much agony and suffering it is sometimes to do the things that you do not want to do, but it's for your greatest and highest good. So for me, for example, the fruitarian diet, I'm now, I've now been eating fruits, only fruits basically, and nuts for the last almost two months. But before that, I was resisting this. I was resisting this. I was resisting this. I was resisting going to a raw diet for a long time. Mm. But then I just finally did it because I had that couple of months where I was eating animal products and I felt terrible. It's in that moment where you're suffering. The life that you're living right now is so mediocre. And you know this on a level. You know that your life is so mediocre that you just can't take it anymore. And so in the case of G.I. Jane, Demi Moore, she had a choice. Either quit the SEAL training and feel sorry for herself or be the wild thing and not feel sorry for herself and kick ass and dominate and take everything you want out of life. David Goggins had that same choice. David Goggins could have said, I'm 300 pounds, I'm black, I'm fat, I'm overweight, I'm a loser, I have disabilities, I have this, I have that. I'm never going to be able to take the ASVAB and get a 50 on it. I'm never going to lose the weight. I'm always going to be called these names because I'm black. I'm always going to be this person. The choice is in the mind. And he broke it down so powerfully in his, one of his interviews about his SEAL training and how the Navy SEALs, which is a special operations unit in the United States Navy, they go through a very intense training for one week called Hell Week. And in that week, you don't sleep for 130 hours. And David Goggins was saying, hey, look, if you break those hours down into seconds, that's a lot of seconds. That's tens of thousands of seconds 
all it takes is one of those seconds for you to fail the whole mission. Because it's in that one second when you're cold and you're getting surf torture, you're in the Pacific Ocean and you're cold and you've got sand up your ass and you're bleeding because you've been rolling around in the sand all day and you've got stress fractures. It's in that one second where you either allow the suffering to overcome you and defeat you in the mind, or it's in that one second where you choose to persevere and continue on. In the case of your aunt, she made the commitment, she made the decision at some point that it was time to give up on life. She was done playing the game and she decided it was time for her to go. Now, ask yourself this, now that your aunt has passed, if she was up there, if she was in a, another dimension, if she was in a place called heaven, if she was talking to God and she was reviewing her life, could she say that she lived her purpose? Maybe we are fulfilling her purpose through her by talking about her in the podcast. Maybe. And that's how she makes her contribution. But there is that choice. She had one of two choices to make. Either decide to change her life around or call in a day and end her life. And she chose that. And what came to me very strongly about this was, Hema, for you, I, this is now coming full circle. For you, Hema, for me, but especially for you, why did you choose to come here? Why, why, do, why on God's green earth did you choose to come here? We've got a screaming boy upstairs. We're on the ground floor. There's constantly, like, people coming in and out. It was the best option that we had back then for my state of consciousness. Is that true or is it that you chose to explore another side of human consciousness? The point I'm making here is the following. You don't just go to a place because aesthetically, superficially, it seems like this is the right move. There's a much deeper reason behind it. And the message that I received was this is part of the next lesson that you're you're learning and that I'm also going through as well. You have had moments here in the last two or three years where you were severely down and I was also severely down. And it was never like this before we came here. We were never experiencing in the last in the last years, just before we came over here, we were having a good time traveling. We were never depressed, at least as far as I could tell. But then we came here and it's like the energy really got very great. It got very gray. And I think we're talking about this today or we're bringing this up today because there is something to be said about feeling sorry for yourself. There is something to be said about mentally limiting yourself and believing that you're not worthy of living your life purpose, believing that all you are capable of is to have that job, believing that your life circumstances are the way they are, and there's nothing that you can do to change it. And it has come to me, just like with your aunt, there is a possibility to change your life around. There is a possibility to do something greater with your life if you choose that. But you must first convince yourself of that wholeheartedly in your mind. When I heard you yesterday, yesterday we were, yesterday was our cleaning day, and you we're cleaning and then you came here and you started crying and then you said 
I'm tired of basically like living this way in these circumstances, etc. And I know that it's temporary. I know, and you know that it's temporary. And that, that moment, that turnaround moment is coming very quickly. But in those moments, ask yourself, who is crying? Is it the divine, mighty I am presence of Hema that's crying in that moment? Or is it the fragile, feeling sorry for herself, Hema that feels powerless to change her life? And in that moment, where's your point of focus? Because if you're focused on the mighty I am presence version of you and the most powerful version of you, you cannot be focused on feeling sorry for yourself. You know, this is something I have never experienced before. Feeling disempowered, feeling sorry for myself, feeling fragile, feeling ungrounded. I only started to experience part of that over the last two, three years. And it felt very foreign to me. And that's where I started to say, I don't know who I am. I don't know what I am feeling. And I don't know who the F I am anymore. I don't recognize myself anymore. And it has gotten significantly less, but at times I still feel it. And it's like, that is not me, but what am I experiencing? Why am I experiencing this? For my entire life, as I can think back, I have always been feeling significantly empowered. And if there was someone that I could rely on, it was myself. And if people told me it's not possible, I went for it anyway, because I knew I'm going to be victorious. I was, I've always been confident and self-empowered. But over the last two, three years, I have been feeling the opposite in many regards. I don't know really. Well, I think I do know why, because I think I chose to experience the contrast and the opposite of that so that I can reach an even higher level of self-empowerment and also understand where many people are in their consciousness. Exactly. And it's also the same. One of the biggest pain points I have experienced in the last two, three years, which has been feeling extremely foreign to me, was feeling disgust, feeling fear, terror, and panic, looking at my own body and being scared of looking at my skin and also feeling scared and feeling a sense of fear of having sexual intimacy and feeling foreign and strange in my own body. And that was never the no, case. It was never the case. Because it only started when we came here. I believe so, yeah. I know so because I've documented it. Yeah. I mean, from when I was a baby or a child, I was raised to be comfortable in my body, to be naked, to run around naked, um, being naked at the lake at times, going to the sauna. It was a natural thing for me. And I've always been very comfortable with my body and enjoying my body and enjoying expressing myself also with wearing shorter clothes. But something changed where I felt all of a sudden a lot of shame for my body. I felt ugly, disgusted. And since being here, you and I both have exhibited self-pity since being here. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier in the podcast, since we came here, the idea of quantum physics and how there are, there's memory in walls of this person's consciousness, their mental thoughts being projected outward 
if they are here and their mental thoughts are being projected outward and this container that we're in is her container, your container, your body, your mind is now in someone else's container and they've been living here for how many years? You said it just now before we started recording that today for our cacao ceremony slash podcast, you decided to change the container with which you drank your cacao out of. Before you were drinking out of a plastic container, now you've chosen to drink out of a porcelain container. And what did you say when you made the switch between containers? Drinking the cacao out of the porcelain cup significantly increased the aroma and the taste and the pleasure of the cacao. It enhanced the flavor of it significantly and I was surprised like how good the cacao today is. And you also said something about what if we are like the cacao? Do you remember what you said? Yeah, I said what if we are like the cacao and the porcelain cup is our environment and depending on the environment we are in, the truth of who we are gets either enhanced or it gets, what's the word, diluted? Diluted, degraded, yeah. Or numbed. Right. Interesting because in the plastic cup, the flavor of the cacao felt dull. It felt diluted. It's like I couldn't taste the fullness of it. It's like something's missing. And as soon as I switched the container, the cup, to a porcelain cup, everything got magnified. The, the spirit of the cacao got magnified and amplified in its taste and it, in its richness. And it was a whole different experience drinking the cacao from the porcelain than the plastic. Exactly. And the mind would, the mind would think it's just a small difference. It's not even worth it, but it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. And and then I said, well, what if you had cacao in wood as how, from what I understand, it was originally intended out of drinking cacao out of a wood cup. Yeah. And then shortly thereafter, one of us said, well, and I think I said something about like, if you are made up of majority liquid and water and your container is in this container, imagine if you're in another container, like you know, the mountains, what's that going to do for your energy or something like this? Yes. And, you know, the biggest heart's desire of mine, especially since living here and experiencing all that contrast and becoming more aware of what our environment does to us, the biggest heart's desire of mine is to have my own container, my own house that carries an energy signature that I intentionally design, that I consciously create. And I know that this is like a huge Christmas gift. <laughs> you know, when I was a child, I was always looking forward to Christmas and the gifts. And now my only wish, whether it's for Christmas or my birthday, this is my biggest wish, to have a hammer home. It's coming. And the point of why we're talking about this and bringing this up is because getting back to the purpose of today's podcast episode, feeling sorry for yourself. If your mind, if your mind is in an environment where other people are feeling sorry for themselves, 
your mind is going to absorb that energy. You're going to pick up on that. You're going to pick up on that intuitively. Intuitively, like, hey, look, we, we have special gifts. We're not, we're not, not gifted psychic, psychically, you know what I'm saying? So you being here, this what I'm saying, why, why did you come here? You didn't just come here for the bigger space and the garden and et cetera. No, 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 no. You came here for the growth. Yeah. That's what you came here for. I know that. And I'm here now doing the growth with you. And it's, it's actually been very life-changing to be here because not only do we have to hear that boy sometimes screaming like crazy, sometimes you have these mood swings, sometimes I like start feeling these these energies and it's like one thing after another and we have like i feel like every single day i, I gotta focus on the trading and then i have to focus on lifepurpose.com and then i have to focus on keeping my state high and then i have to focus on the dog and then i have to focus on being like neutral for you and it's been a real great gift because it's been teaching me to be incredibly mentally strong stronger to a whole level that i've never been before and just like you were saying earlier about my situation, it's also been another factor for me to really learn how to block that out and to really focus on the mission at hand mm. and not feel sorry for myself and not feel sorry for my circumstances, not feel sorry for where I am. Don't feel sorry for me. I don't need to feel sorry for myself. Why do I need to feel sorry for myself? That was a program that I learned. I adopted that program from my biological mother. She was always constantly saying, she's the victim. She's the victim. Your father abandoned us. There, these were all the affirmations that I can remember. These were all the quotes that I can remember from her growing up. And that's a victim mindset. That's self-pity. Wow. You know, this is you listening to your mom. It's like you had an audio tape running on autopilot. Of affirmations. Of, of negative associations. Right? right, and versus now you're consciously taking in, for example, Goggins, the motivational speaker, to undo the negative audio programming that you took in from your relatives and your environment. That's right, and it's been a journey. It's been a journey over the last. I've been in, I've been doing personal development, and listening and reading books and all this stuff like that. Some personal development for over. 14, 15 years now, and it's gotten significantly better. A large part of that, thanks to you, for sure. But there's no book that's going to teach you how to do this. You've got to apply it yourself. you got to get out there and do it. You can't just listen to an audio book, can't hurt me, and then just automatically expect to be that. You've got to practice that. And getting back to your aunt, what was the mental condition that she was in? You said that she had an eating disorder. That's a mental condition. That's a mental thing. That's a mindset thing. In fact, your father guided you to the information about a German medicine doctor by the name of Dr. Harma, where he would cite that, in fact, the majority of disease in the body is not physical. The root cause is in the mental from trauma. Yeah. It's a traumatic experience that one has experienced, which has caused them to have the physical symptoms of whatever that root trauma, root cause is. So if you're here in this person's home, and they were projecting mental thoughts every single day. And if we think thousands of thousands of thoughts every single day, and she's living here for all these years, and you come in here and you sleep in the very same bedroom that she slept in 
of course that's going to affect you. You are the vessel in the container that is has her energy signature on it. Yeah. It's just like, have you ever stepped foot on a land or a different environment and you would see visions and memories of what happened there? It's the same thing like if you go to Australia and then you go to New York City. The energy is completely different. Yeah. Just just go down the Great Central Road, go to Uluru. Yeah. The energy is completely different on the Great Central Road than it is out on West 42nd Street. When we went to the concentration camps here in Austria and we stepped foot on the land, when I had my eyes closed, I could see the memory of this place and I could see what happened here. At lifepurpose.com, it is our purpose to support, guide, and empower you, the big ones, in living your life's purpose. To receive powerful daily meditations and mentoring for your life's purpose, join our premium membership and claim your seven-day free trial by clicking the link in the description or visit lifepurpose.com directly. And now back to the episode. I'm bringing this up because of our ability to know what has occurred in specific environments. Was it good things? Was it bad things? And at this stage of my life with my psychic abilities, I am that far where I could step foot on a piece of land and I can see visions of what happened on this land and I could feel it and I can know what happened there. See, but then the the downside to that is you take on that energy. You don't have to. Well, you clearly are. Well, that again is a level of your consciousness. And when you believe like I did, that I am an empath and I'm taking on other people's energies and I am powerless because I cannot control what I take on and what I what I do not take on. That's what happened. Yes, and that's what I'm saying. That's getting back to the topic of today's episode. Feeling sorry for yourself. If your life purpose involves you being able to have these psychic abilities, as you say that you have, Hama, and you're taking in the energy and you're absorbing some of this energy, but then you're projecting out this pity party. Ah, I, I'm feeling sorry for myself. How does that affect your life purpose? Don't feel sorry for yourself. Embrace it because part of that is, I believe, for you to transmute that and for you to overcome that to then assert more of your mental power, your mind power. How do you get stronger than your environment? How do you get stronger than your environment? Exactly. I think this is, this is very important for every person that is choosing to master their power. You have to become greater than your circumstances and the environments that you're in. Exactly. But, you know, one thing also about becoming stronger than your environment is also you being able to just leave the environment and go to a different environment. Either that or find a balance point, adapt to the environment and overcome the environment. I believe that's, that's the stage of it. It's you're in a new environment. It throws you off. You're in a state of stress. You have to find a way to quickly adapt to the surroundings. So for example, 
if we were to go all the way to like the top of a mountain where there's not so much um, like oxygen or whatever, air for us to breathe in, we need to start producing, our bodies, our autonomic nerves needs to start producing the right amount of hormones and blood cells to assist us to acclimatize. It's like when we went to Peru. Why is it that when we went to Peru, you got sick? It's because you had a hard time acclimatizing to that environment because of the air conditions. It was completely different than being here in Austria. But eventually you did. And a lot of people, when they do go to Peru and they're not used to the climate, they get sick. And so they have to chew on cacao leaves or they got to get like an oxygen mask or whatever. Now, your life purpose, we've talked about this before in other episodes and even in some blog posts now. If your life purpose is at the top, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs and your basic human need is survival, food, shelter, etc., you're not going to be thinking about, hey, what's my contribution to humanity if you're thinking about uh, how am I going to pay rent this week? Or how am I going to survive today? How am I going to survive today? Exactly. And we have been indoctrinated into the system where it's a better option to, and it's more uh, culturally encouraged for you to take on significant amounts of debt to, let's say, purchase a house when you don't have any assets to sustainably pay for that house. So you're basically just creating negative cash flow and you're you're creating a liability for yourself. But that's the society that we've grown up in. We've grown right, up in it's, the modern, it's the modern slave society. Yes. Okay, so then this would mean that the modern slave society has a standard operating mental system that they are running on. Exactly. And if you are about to break free from the modern slavery society system, you would have to break out of that mental operating system and adapt and tap into um, the free human society system, if you will. Exactly. But how do you do that? And so that's my point. I believe it's when you're in a new environment, you've got to uh, first acclimatize to that environment, adapt to it, and then from there, once you've adapted to that environment, then you overcome the environment and then you can leave the environment. Yeah, and that also comes back down to the reptilian part of the brain. The reptilian part of the brain is associated to fear and survival. And you can only tap into the true freedom when you can transcend the reptilian part of the brain and stop operating from that system. Exactly, yes. So if, if... But let's bring this home now. And that also brings me back to what you have been saying for the last days and weeks. I want to find out what true freedom means. Yes, that's right. That's right. And bringing it back now to the big ones. If the big ones are listening to this and they have a job or they have a business or whatever, and they're not happy and they know they're a big one, they know they have a special purpose, they know they're here to do something fantastic, make a contribution, what do they have to do to go from where they are to living their life purpose? Many things. They have to, the main thing, the main thing is to overcome their mind, is to transcend their mind, is to break their mind, is to break all mental limitations that they have had 
placed on themselves. Yeah. It is for them to stop feeling sorry for themselves and to stop seeing themselves as fragile or weak or disempowered or a victim or whatever the story is and to overcome their environment, transcend their environment and evolve. And a big part of being able to do that is change what you consume daily. How do you do that? Plug out of the modern slavery society, foods, content, radio, music, movies. Let's put that into practical. Let's put that into a real example. So for myself, about 10 or a little over 10 years ago, I was eating meat, I was eating animal protein. Then I saw a documentary called Earthlings and narrated by Joaquin Phoenix on YouTube. And within 20 minutes, I made the decision I'm not gonna eat meat ever again. That day I went vegan. The girlfriend that I had at the time, we both went vegan. We didn't eat eggs, meat, milk, none of that stuff. And for about seven years, I was doing that. Then I had this depressive moment where I started feeling sorry for myself. I started eating meat again in the last year and eggs. And I started to experience more stress, especially with trading. There came a point this year where I said, I'm not feeling good. I got to change something. And then we, the universe, God was guiding us to the fruit diet, fruitarianism. And I just said, okay, I'm just going to do this. I did it. It's been two months and I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life. I went from animal proteins to fruit. That's the change you're talking about. It's the same thing too. That's like, one change. That's one change. The next change, the content you consume. If you're consuming content that is mindless, that's wasting your time. That is entertaining fear and survival. Yeah, you're watching like uh, kids jumping up a disabled kid or something. All the reality shows of... Or the news or whatever. That's what I said. Stop watching that stuff. Consciously make a decision to stop watching that trash. Stop and, feeding into the fear. And feed into what is in alignment with who you want to be now, right? You had said it before, Hema. When I was growing up, I had a biological mother that was constantly this broken record, affirming she's a victim, we're the victim, your father abandoned us and all her other victim stories. That was her affirmation. That was her mental tape. So she was just giving a voice to what was going on in her head. Mm -hmm. I had to work and thank God for you because you really helped me take it to the next level. I had to really work on this and get this get this as strong as I can. And that's why... When it, you say this, you're talking about your mind. I'm talking about my mind. I'm pointing to my mind. Yes, thank you for reminding me. We have no cameras so people can't see. I had to really work on my mind a lot. I had to work on my mind a lot. And even still today... At 34 years old, going to be 35 in a couple of weeks. I know that I'm still playing too small. I need to go to the next level. So what am I doing? I'm getting my ass to that lake every single morning, basically. And I'm going in that freezing cold ass water when my mind is telling me no. I am sleeping out in a tent where in my mind, the mind is like sometimes, hey, no, I can't take it anymore. Let's sleep indoors where it's warm. And I tell that motherfucking bitch voice to shut up. And I sleep out on the garden where it's cold and I'm cold sometimes. And it, I love it. You know why? 
because I can really breathe. And after listening to this audiobook, I'm going through the process of listening to a new audiobook right now. It's called What Does It Kill Us by Scott Carney. And he talks about his experiences with, with, with Wim Hof. One of the most important findings, though, that I've, that I've come across in the book so far is about brown fat. So Wim Hof, one day in his 20s, he was, after his wife had killed herself, she, she developed a, a, like a depression. Wim Hof's wife. Wim Hof had a wife. She killed herself. She had depression. And she would take her own life. So what was going on in her head? How focused was she on herself? I can see this from this place now because I have also had throughout my lifetime lots of moments of feeling sorry for myself to the point where the voice in my head said, hey, why don't you kill yourself? And so whenever I entertained that voice long enough, wanted to kill myself. Last year, it came up again. It's what you focus on expands. It's what you focus on expands. And that wasn't the case when, for a long period of time. Even when I was living in New Jersey before you met me, I was not feeling that way. And when we were traveling, I was not feeling that way at all, but it happened here. It happened here in this home. The same home your aunt would go and kill herself. So getting back to Wim Hof, the brown fat. So he, one day after walking, shortly after his wife had passed away, she killed herself. Wim Hof, it was cold. It was the winter time in the Netherlands. He found a body of water, a lake or something like that. He was walking past it. And then the voices told him, hey, get naked and, and get up in there. He was in there for a minute and he was like so charged up. It would be years later. He would just keep doing this practice every single day. And eventually doctors wanted to research him and study him. And like, how is it possible that this guy is able to be submerged underwater for as long as he's able to stay underwater for it and it's freezing freaking cold. So they found that Whiphoff had very high levels of brown fat in his body. And he f they found that because of this, there's a like a mammalian response that every human has the power to initiate, but it's been long forgotten because we have this matrix system that keeps us weak. Having the heater on keeps us weak. Having all these jackets on because it's the wintertime keeps us weak. If we shed all this stuff and we really forced ourselves to walk barefoot on the snow, we could do it because our body would wake up that dormant strength within us yeah. and it would help build up mental resilience. So that's why the wild thing doesn't feel sorry for itself because it has the strength it has everything it needs it has it is the technology it has all the tools that it needs so as i'm going through this book mm -hmm. i'm thinking about this i'm thinking about your aunt i'm thinking about the big ones i'm thinking about you know people that are searching for their purpose in life and they feel like killing themselves the first step to not killing yourself is to stop feeling sorry for yourself you got to change your mental thoughts you have to change the way you think about yourself. You've got to change. And there's tons of things that you can do. Change your diet. Eat a fruit-based diet. Work out. Take cold plunges. Those will get you into a completely different state. Start helping someone. Start making a contribution to people. Those are huge things that will get you out of that mental state of consciousness and into another state of consciousness that is vibrating at a higher frequency.
So feeling sorry for yourself is a program. It's an idea. It's something that is signaling to you internally. I've overcome basically everything. There's, what, is this, what else is there for me to do in this lifetime? Is that, is that the truth of who you truly are? Or are you playing too small? And is it time to break your own mental box? Is it time for you to break your own mental conditioning, your own mental limitation and become something greater? I believe many people are still wondering, how can I change my thoughts if my thoughts seem to just run on autopilot? And I really want to emphasize the point of what happens in your mind when you change your diet. Case in point for the both of us, when we changed to a raw diet, we both experienced a significant increase of mental sharpness and the absence of negative thinking. Would you agree? I would agree, but if you're still having negative thoughts, you can't necessarily make that disclaimer. But I have noticed based on what I eat. A big decrease. Based on what I eat, it would increase my positive mm, yeah. thoughts mm -hmm. or it would decrease my positive thoughts. And many times I could see a direct correlation between what I eat, what I put into my body, what foods I consume, whether I would go into a downward spiral or I would go into an upward spiral. And I know that there are still a lot of people who consume alcohol, who consume cigarettes, who consume the junk food. Why is it called junk food, right? When I think of, when I think of life purpose, I think of you are here as a physical consciousness serving God. You're God's servant. You're the universe's servant. And if the purpose of this life is to fulfill your purpose, is to do your duty, while also having fun at the same time, yeah, enjoying your life and enjoying the moment and expanding in love, okay, I get that. But if the main thing is that you have a purpose and your purpose is to do what God came, told you to come here to do, is to do what God wanted for you to do, and that's your purpose, if God is love, and love on the vibrational scale is one of the highest vibrational frequencies that you could possibly vibrate at. And you're here to basically serve God, to serve your purpose. You have to then, in my mind, it makes sense. You have to be vibrating at a, at a high frequency. And if alcohol, cigarettes, pornography, the sweet candies, the sugar, artificial candies, processed foods, being around people that have shitty attitudes, being in shitty neighborhoods and environments, consuming terrible content that induces fear in, in, your, in your mind, in your body, in your feeling world. It only makes sense to me that if you're really sincere and adamant about living your life purpose, you have to let go of all that bullshit. Mm, message, yeah. You gotta let go of all of that. Even the mental chatter, even the ideas in your head about yourself, you gotta create a new version of yourself. So if there's Hema Allman and she's the weak, frail version, if there's Gabriel Sarah and he's the weak, frail version, you got to create Almond. I've got to create Sarah. Similar to how David Goggins created Goggins. Goggins had to be the opposite of David Goggins. Goggins had to be the guy that was able and capable 
of losing a hundred pounds in three months to make it to to get a seal contract and make it to buds goggins not david goggins goggins was the guy that had to be so comfortable in the water goggins was the guy that had to be able to make it through hell week goggins was the guy that had to be able to negotiate every single second of seal training of ultraman running and tell himself you can do this and do it regardless of whether or not you feel like it goggins not david goggins so for the big one right there's the big one that's living their purpose and then there's the little one the little one wants handy and artificial food and sex and party and going to the clubs and listening to music and doing all this stuff which entertains the senses but the big one knows i've got to focus i've got to do what is for the greatest and highest good if that means leaving that relationship leaving that job leaving that business cutting out that junk food stop sitting on the couch Stop spending my evenings watching anime or whatever the case is. The big one knows that if the small one, the little one needs to become the big one, what are the habits of the big one? What's the psychology of the big one? The little one feels sorry for itself. And because it feels sorry for itself, it thinks itself as a victim. And because it thinks itself as a victim, it is engaging in self-pity. It is not a wild thing. And because it is not a wild thing, it keeps itself in a state of feeling sorry for itself. The big one, what is the psychology of the big one? The big one does not feel sorry for itself. The big one is not consumed with itself. The big one is not a victim. The big one is here in service. There's a stark difference. You gotta create the new version of yourself. And as we shift, as we shift now more into this new earth, energy and its frequency that's going to be what's required for us to do the big things as the big ones that we came here to be and that requires a certain level of mental toughness and discipline physical discipline physical toughness embodied through your spirit through your soul through your consciousness yes and this is coming through so strongly right now to say and it makes me just laugh and chuckle just give me a moment to articulate this as it needs to be articulated in order for your mighty i am presence the god presence of you to take up space in your vessel to take up space in your life and to take command of your vessel of your mind of your body of your life you gotta let go of all the access that would otherwise prevent and block the mighty presence of yours to be embodied. Does that make sense? So if you think about all the clutter in your life and you consuming all that food, you consuming all that content, you're glued to the TV, you're glued to, the, to your phone, you're glued to social media, you're glued to addictions, alcohol, pornography, gossip. This is taking up a lot of space and it's clouding and numbing 
your senses and your life and your God presence from being made seen and heard and felt. And it's like, pre it's preventing your true wild presence. It's preventing your true God presence from coming through into your life. So you got to let go of the clutter. And the more you let go of the clutter and the more you purify your life of all the clutter, the more you purify your thoughts, your words, your actions, your body starts with the physical body. You got to detox. And the more you can shed the unnecessary baggage and stuff in your life, what we talked about, the content you consume, the people, the environments, etc. The more your pure God presence can come through into your life and take command. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. There is one last person that I am thinking about, and I know it may be a bit too soon to speak on, but it's about your biological father and how God bless him. I wish him truly well. And so not he doing much better. Speedy recovery, but he's in the hospital as of right now. He had part of his gut removed. Yeah. He wasn't feeling too good. He hasn't been feeling too good for a couple of years. And there's part of me that is just observing this, observing myself getting back to that depressive pity party state last year, feeling sorry for myself. Has he manifested this disease as a result of playing small and living in the past, living in the past and not living his purpose and feeling sorry for himself? Your dad has suffered with depression or as he says, has had depression for almost 10 years or more. What is going on in his head? He's now retired. He has a lot of now, he should have now a whole bunch of time to himself. What is he doing with that time? I remember when we were in Croatia in late 2020 and he and your mom came to spend time with us and we were having a conversation while you and your mother were cooking for us. And he said that he wishes that he has so much information. This is what he was saying. He has so much information that he could be like a David Icke, but he doesn't because he's quote unquote scared. He's scared because of his family. He has his stories of what could happen, like worst case scenarios of him living his purpose and how he has all the fear stories around his purpose. And if he stepped into his greatness, it's all linked a neuro association with fear. Living my purpose, being in my truth, living my truth, expressing myself freely equals pain, equals suffering, equals fear. Exactly. And if you have that, you are never going to step into your greatness. You're never going to live your purpose. That's a form of feeling sorry for yourself. That's a form of pitying yourself. Oh, I can't do this because these are my circumstances. There's so much more that we can become, but we have to really work on our mindset and I really do commend you, Helen, because I believe that this challenge with your skin, the neurodermatitis, you've been doing everything that you could in every single capacity to heal it and make it better and to contain it. And it was absolutely not the case when we were traveling around the world and you were fine. But it seems like every single time we came back here to Austria and we're here for a bit of time, that's when the, the skin stuff started to come up again. And... 
it's 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 good to see that you're not letting this I don't I don't know what goes on in your head, but I know that you have a lot of time. Maybe you do focus on it, but I hope that it doesn't consume your day. And I hope that you focus on other things. But from what I've seen, I commend you and I'm proud of you because you still keep your cool. You still keep yourself mentally focused on and what you have to do. There may be times where you do exhibit that pity party behavior. And I myself have as well. Sure. And it's important to silence that voice now. It's important to transcend and evolve from that voice that tells you, hey, don't go to the lake today because it's it's there's snow and there's ice in the ground. And what if you hurt yourself and you don't have health insurance and etc.? Or the voice in your head that says, oh my God, my skin, etc. These things are all correlated into how we're going to continue executing the functions that we need to execute for LifePurpose.com. Yes, and I have a deeply rooted belief which is supporting me through quote-unquote tough times in my life. What is that? These quote-unquote tough times are meant to empower me even greater and they are meant for me. They're meant to push me to the next higher level. They're meant to sharpen me. They're they're making me more beautiful, more radiant, more confident, more powerful and stronger than I ever thought possible. And it's happening for me. And it's not happening to me. Yes, it may be painful at times. Yes, it may be terrifying at times. But I know that this is just going to put me to the next highest level where I choose to be. And that is a deep-rooted belief, which is so wired in my nervous system and i'm so grateful for that i have this belief because this this belief keeps me going this belief is a foundation where i build on did you always have this belief how did you build this up i believe the way i was raised in this lifetime was with a lot of the foundation i was raised from a young age on um to be able to develop a deep sense of basic trust, I would say, from my parents. A trust in life, a trust in myself, a trust that there's always a presence there that looks out for me, that takes care of me. And no matter what, I'm I'm safe, I'm fine, I'm taken care of. And I believe that foundation was laid very early on in my life, which allows me to have certain very powerful beliefs, which are the foundation of my blessed life. I have a very blessed life overall, for sure. Doesn't mean that I don't have challenges or that I don't go through stuff, but it's how I react to it. And my reaction is actually very empowering because I know it's happening for me, not to me. And there's always a lesson behind it. I know that God does not give me something in my life for me to get weak or for me to feel sorry about myself, no. If God gives me an experience that may be challenging, it is always, it always comes with a message. It always comes with a lesson. It always comes with wisdom. And it always comes with the opportunity to outgrow myself and to share the accumulated wisdom with the world and with others. And I believe God puts you through challenging times so that you can share the wisdom from it and the divine teachings through that challenging time with others who need it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the LifePurpose.com podcast. If you found this episode valuable, share it with someone that you know needs to hear this. 
and until next time on the lifepurpose.com podcast.